This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders. That's right, your Las Vegas Raiders. We are 75 days away from training camp, so we're trying to get you through, we're trying to give you some football talk, some Raiders talk, some Silver and Black smack, whatever you want to do. We're here to do it. I am Scott Goldbranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mo Moten. You can catch his work up on Bleacher Report, where he covers the entire league, the NFL. He also is the Raiders columnist up on SportsNot.com. What do you got coming up this week as we sit here on Tuesday, Mo? Really quick, Scott. You're giving us a long vacation. You said 35 days to training camp. We've meant 35 days to the regular season. Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. Because <laughs> if, if it was 35 days of training camp, I'd probably go to Aruba somewhere and come Thank back. Thank you. Thank you. It is not it's 70, no, 70, 75 days till the season opener <laughs> in week one. Thank you. See, I you get off kilter when the sketch when it's dead like this. You're just like, what's going on? I, yeah, I almost about, looked at my calendar and started planning trips. It's about yeah. It's 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 less than well, just over 30 days until camp starts. Mm-hmm. But what do you got come out? Tell people what they got to read this week online as they're perusing their phone looking for football jazz. So I'm going to be a little more critical. I know we're doing picks to click here on both sides of the ball. I'm going to have a, a column up on sports, not players under the most pressure ahead of mm. training camp. So these are the guys that if they don't show out at training camp, if they don't have a good summer, they could either lose their job, lose a spot in the rotation, defensive line, or possibly be traded or cut. Because it was, we all know every year there's a surprise cut late Always. August, early September. Now, this year is going to be different than previous years where there's just going to be one big cut. It's not going to be one or two multiple rounds of cuts as they were last year. They would cut it down to like 75, 80, then go to 53. It's just going to go from 90 
which is the maximum right now, down to 53 before the season. So I think there's, as there are every year, there are going to be some surprising cuts, and I'll get under get on into some players that are going to be under the most pressure going into camp for whatever reason. Yeah, and we will cover that on Thursday's show. So if you're with us and you have ADHD and you don't want to read, Mo will walk us through that piece uh, as well. So we'll be able to talk about that as well. as We're going to get to the mailbag. Of course, we didn't have one last week. We got some backed up, some folks who are ready to, to spout off a little bit about us. It has nothing to do with the hats we wear. It's all about the football. So we will talk about that as well. Okay, Mo, let's jump in. I'm going to have you start on this one. When we look at this offense, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, so much revolves around what's going to happen with him. Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Number one, that's the number one and one a question. Question number two is when he does play, how well does he play with the pieces around him? He's got a great receiving core. As we know, it's been boosted at every position for the most part. Uh, and so I want to start there with you and you have you tell us when you look at this offense and you look at three players, uh, let's start with your first guy. Who's going to pick to click or who's your pick to click, I should say, on the offense for 2023? First guy is going to be my guy, Jermaine Illuminar. He's yeah. been very vocal on Twitter about, you know, he's he's going to do better this year after having his opportunity, have another opportunity to start in the NFL. And I think he's going to continue to show that he is a starting right tackle in this league because it's not set in stone yet. Remember, the Raiders were interested as it was rumored from Peter King of uh, NBC, NBC Sports, who spent time in the Raiders' uh, draft war room, that the Raiders were interested in Paris Johnson. And he and Paris Johnson was probably, if the Raiders had got him, was probably going to play right tackle because Colt Miller is entrenched over there on the left side. So Jermaine Luminar's spot isn't solidified. Even though he had a pretty good year last year, there's still some whispers that Brandon Parker could push him. Thayer Mumford Jr., who alternated uh, drives with him last year, could push him at training camp. So he still has a lot to prove. The Raiders didn't give him a massive deal. Uh, they gave him still a pretty modest deal. I believe he's still making under $5 million on a one-year contract. So he's still in that prove-it stage. But I think he rises to the occasion and shows the Raiders that, look, next year you're going to have to pay me more money because I am a starting right tackle in the, in the league. Right. And and I'm going to go a step further, Mo. I want the Jermaine Illuminor uh, disrespect to stop because I don't think he deserves it. I, I think it's completely out of whack, and I'm with you. I think Jermaine Illuminor is a pick-to-click for me as well. The misnomer that the Raiders' offensive line was bad last year has got to stop, too. We could talk about it on the show. Yes, they started off rough. It was a new group, guys trying to fit into different spots, and they struggled early, but they came together, and towards the end of the season, they got much better. And if you look at Illuminor it's in, in, in particular, this is from PFF. He ranked in the top 32 of offensive tackles. Now you say, well, 32 offensive, that's 32 teams. Yeah, but there's two on each team, right? And he was right in the middle. And for him, where he's come from, that's a remarkable stab. And this is what they said. They said, quote, Illuminar took a big step forward last season in his first full year as a starter. Remember that. Fifth round draft pick, fifth round. In 2017, he produced a 75-plus PFF pass blocking and run blocking grade in 22 and 2022. He allowed 26 total pressures over the course of the season, but surrendered just seven, seven across the final six games of the year. So I look at Jermaine Illuminor 
And I think, to your point, yeah, he might have competition there, but I think he's now reached that point in his career where he's ready, he wants to fight, he feels as though he's there, he feels it. And I think when you're a player and you feel that success, you're right on the precipice of it, you're ready to jump up. Now, the biggest issue for him, and he said this himself, if you see the comments and the interviews he's done, consistency. There's a great interview with him. Uh, Eddie Pasco over at the Raiders did a great interview with him. I suggest you guys watch that uh, or listen to it. And and that's what he said. He's like, I have to get more consistent. I have to get more consistent. And I think, Mo, he does get more consistent. Listen, I like the guy a lot, but am I going to say he's going to be an all pro? No, I'm not saying that, but I think he's going to continue on his journey to become a more consistent and better tackle in this league. PFF actually listed the Raiders as having one of the top 10 offensive tackle duels in the league. And that's yeah. not just because of Colton Miller, it's because of Jermaine Luminar and, and the grades that they gave him last year. So I think people are overlooking him because if I, I've looked through Twitter, and it's kind of a mixed bag. There are some people who say, yeah, Jermaine Luminar is underrated. And then there are some people that say Jermaine Luminar is overrated. And I think part of that is because he's vocal on Twitter. So if you say something, if you're critical of him, it. Yeah. He will clap back at you. So I think sure. some people are are a little, you know, there's some tension there because of what he may have said to a person on Twitter or how he feels about certain things or maybe his response to certain people on Twitter may have rubbed some people the wrong way. But I, I think he is a starting right tackle in this league now after a slow start in his career where he, he basically admitted he didn't take advantage of his opportunities in New England and in Baltimore. The other issue with Jermaine Luminar before he gets to the training camp, before he even steps on the field, He's got to fix his taste buds. He doesn't like avocados. <laughs> I, I think I think he said he was in I think he was in Texas this past weekend and he said he had avocado toast. I didn't see his reply to that. He said he would give his review of the avocado toast, but he he does not like avocados. Jermaine, if you're listening to the show or if someone's going to clip this and send it to Jermaine, please, Jermaine, give avocados a chance. It may be an acquired taste for some people, but as you get older, Jermaine, I'm older than you. I'm 37 years old. Let me tell you, as you get older, <laughs> avocados taste a lot better on toast or anything you added to well and i know being the athlete that he is avocados are great too for your <laughs> ldl the good cholesterol right so but now here's the thing and and i hope we get him on the show soon but we will send him the clip jermaine because you do need to like avocados because avocado toast is a little bit of a, a trendy kind of hipster thing now mo i know you eat it i'm not calling you trendy or hipster well trendy maybe but hipster no <laughs> um but but i will tell you there's so many ways to use avocado and I mean, dude, Jermaine, you got to like guacamole with chips, right, man? I mean, there's got to be something you like there. But we'll convince you. Mo does the smoothie. Maybe when you're out in New York, we we, we connect you and he, he takes you for an avocado smoothie and you spit it out or you like it. Whatever. We'll figure it out. But uh, good stuff. All right. That is Jermaine Illuminar. We agree on that one. That is both one of our picks. So I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go with my second pick here, Mo, uh, and then we'll get back to yours. My pick to click on the offense is Zamir White. The running back. Now, a lot of you going to say, well, Josh Jacobs is a starter. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is a starter. I still think he'll be in camp. I still think the workout, the thing with the tag, I'm not that worried, even despite the subtweets we've seen that continue from Josh Jacobs. I think he's there. I think he's ready to play ball. And I know the Raiders will count on him. But regardless of that situation, remember, Zamir White last year, game high carries was three. That's the most he had in a game was three. Okay. But if you look at Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, the system they've run, the type of player that succeeds in that system at the running back position, he is built for that. And I say they need to, and they've said publicly, Mo, in the last several weeks, 
that they need to balance the load at running back more. That was not a shot at Josh Jacobs to get into camp or contract posturing. That was getting back to the way this offense is most efficiently run. And Zamir White has to get more. Not only that, but because of the Jacobs situation after this year, after the tag, they also have to decide whether or not he's going to be their bell cow back moving forward if Jacobs is gone. Yeah, you basically said everything I was going to say about Zamir White being one of the picks <laughs> of clicks. So we agree there. And regardless of what happens with Jacobs over the next few weeks, whether he gets a new contract or not, the Raiders have to use Zamir White a lot more because they could, if they re-sign Jacobs, well, if they franchise tag Jacobs and he signs that tender eventually and gets back to the camp on that one-year deal, they could run into this situation with his contract again next offseason. So Zamir White, I, I think, needs to be prepared to have to carry a bigger load because the Raiders probably want to give themselves a little more leverage when it comes to Josh Jacobs if they have to face the situation again. Now, if Josh Jacobs signs a multi-year deal, I still think Zamir White should have a bigger load because, as we've seen in previous years, not in 2022, but in previous years before that, Josh Jacobs can get nicked up. I remember he made a comment saying he liked having Kenyon Drake around not because they're Bama guys, but because he gets to have a breather and he could be healthier for the duration of the season. So Josh Jacobs doesn't mind sharing the load. I think he understood that he was going to go into free agency, so he needed to have a big year. But going forward, assuming he, if he gets his new contract, I don't think he would mind yielding some carries or yielding a significant number of carries to Zemir White because I think having two running backs who can run the ball very well is beneficial to both running backs, especially the older, more veteran player. Absolutely. But yeah, I, and I, I just want to see him uncork it, right? I want to see him have some games where, where, because you know what? There are times when even Josh Jacobs, there's lulls, there's times he might be nicked up or whatever. Or you just need to change a pace a little bit. And I think Zamir White, back to the bell cow back stuff, you have to decide whether or not he is going to be the future of that position. Because no matter what happens with Josh Jacobs, even if he were to sign a three-year deal, you just never know, and you have to have that guy ready to go. And if not, they have to think about what they're going to do at the position three, four, five years down the road. So I like Zamir. All right, your second pick to click on the offense. I'll, I'll say this is my third since we agreed on Zamir White, and I won't rehash it. Oh, we did agree on Zamir. Two of the we, offense we, we agreed on. Nice. Right. So I, I'll say this. I'll, I'll zig. I'll zig when I was going to zag here. I was oh. going to say I was going to go to wide receiver, but I'm going to go with tight end Michael Mayer. Oh, right? now we're three for Your three, guy. dude. That was my Your, third. That was <laughs> Your my third. guy. And I, I, I was going to say Jacoby Myers, but I, I switched to Michael Mayer simply for this reason. We know how important the tight end position is to Josh McDaniels and his offense. We've seen it before. I'm not saying Michael Mayer has to be Rob Gronkowski in his rookie year, <laughs> but I think he's going to put up big numbers simply because of the way it's a tight, it's a tight end friendly offense. And I think having Devontae Adams on the perimeter opens things up for other players, and I think it'll open up for Michael Mayer. Jacoby Myers, even with the Patriots, he hasn't been more. He hasn't been a, a scoring machine, and not even a guy who scores a ton of touchdowns. As I said. I believe he set a record for most games played without scoring a touchdown mm. over the first few seasons. So I think of the guys that could be the secondary pass catching option in the offense, I think it's going to be Michael Mayer. Because if you look at Jimmy G's history in San Francisco, and I said this on a previous show, and I wrote about this, he likes to throw to the middle of the field. That's where your tight ends mm -hmm. eat in the offense. That's where the tight ends bus uh, zone coverage that's where the tight ends challenge safeties and linebackers who struggle cover in coverage that's where michael Mayer is gonna is gonna make his money make his bones in the middle of the field and i think jimmy g he had a he had some ye great years with george kittle who became a pro bowl all pro tight end 
I think Michael Mayer has the same ceiling with the Raiders, assuming Jimmy G is healthy and out there on the field for most of the season. What's interesting, too, is remember all the folks and that, that were critical of the Raiders' former quarterback, and they called him check down, Charlie, and all that kind of stuff? Jimmy yep. G likes to check down, like to your point, to the middle of the field, too. And so yep. so, so if you if you don't like check downs, you're in for a dope. By the way, Tom Brady won six <laughs> Super Bowls that way. So, so it doesn't matter if they check down if the offense is moving dynamically. But I agree on Mayer. He was there. He's a freak at the position, not because he's a freak athlete. In fact, the reason he moved down in the draft was his combine wasn't super fantastic. Like he didn't have any eye-popping numbers in the vertical and all these different other, uh, you know, the the shoot, the shuttle, all that stuff. He did not do that, so that's why he fell. But he will be the Raiders' number one tight end because he catches and he's smart. When you watch his route running, now being a Notre Dame fan, I was fortunate I watched him every week he played, and you just watch how his feel for the game. And it's hard to it's hard to explain that to people unless you've watched him a lot. But when you watch him a lot, that's what you'll see. And so because he's not the freak athlete, uh, that's, you know, Anthony Richardson's a perfect example of that guy had barely played college football and he goes in the first round and is going to be the savior of the Indianapolis Colts, apparently. So you see that, but with Michael Mayer, it's not that. The Raiders got extremely lucky. It wasn't that they somehow scouted this amazing player. They got lucky he fell there, okay, which luck is fine. But I will tell you this, Tumo, you talked about this offense being friendly to the tight end. But you add in Austin Hooper, and people are like, Austin Hooper, Austin Hooper. Listen, they can now set up in a two tight end set, which we saw a lot of in New England with two guys who can both play that position really, really well. I'm not saying Austin Hooper is going to light the world on fire, but he is a solid and good and steady veteran, okay? So him and Mayer, those, I'm very excited about two tight end sets this year because of these two guys. Let, let's remember that Austin Hooper was a two-time Pro Bowl when he had yeah. Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Now people would say, well, look at what he did last year. I mean, he was in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Who's putting up numbers with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? T right. Tell me the last wide receiver that put up big numbers with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I'm just saying that Tennessee, first of all, Tennessee Titans offense is run heavy with Derrick Henry. We know he's the engine of that offense. Everything else is complimentary. I will say that people are talking down on Austin Hooper, but I think he's going to have a pretty decent year, specifically as a pass catcher, until yeah. Michael Mayer comes along. I think Michael Mayer is going to take over, and he might be second on the team in catches and uh, touchdown receptions behind Devontae Adams. Yeah, and I think I think on a on a show, especially in this period between now and camp, we should maybe break down a little bit. I know we're not film guys, but I think we should break down a little bit about that two tight end set and what this offense could do because it's very dynamic. I mean, you think, well, two tight ends, you know, you don't, but you have the two tight ends, you have the running game and the options you have there. And especially if you have two tight ends who can catch, right? Because if you just have a blocking tight end and everybody knows it's a blocking tight end, the guy doesn't have hands, then you know exactly if they're going to go to the tight end who they're throwing to. With Austin Hooper there, they can go both sides. They can, they can switch it up. Quarterback can make a call at the line, do things differently and go through and progress through his reads and have more options. So I think we should talk about that a little bit. Maybe we'll get somebody on uh, who's much more of an expert than we are. But man, if I'm a Raiders fan on that offense, I know you're excited about the wide receiver core and Devontae Adams and all that. But Michael Mayer added into that mix, and not just because of my Notre Dame bias, 
is going to be really cool to watch. And it might, yeah, it might take him a few weeks to get used to that. It might not. He might jump in there. We'll see how he does in camp. But he might jump in there right away and just steal the show. We'll see. I know a lot of the, the writers on the ground at camp th- seem to think that that might happen. Now, I know we're a bit, I'm a bit early on this comment, and we're going to have our Silver and Black today, Fancy Football League, but Michael Mayer might be one of my late-round sleepers for the tight end position because, as we all know, it's hard to find a consistent contributing tight end at Fantasy yeah. Football. I would yeah. say if you're, if you're in a league early, drafting super-duper early, put Michael Mayer in your cave because I think he's going to be involved in the offense very heavily, assuming that he's back on the field because he missed some parts of the spring workouts for undisclosed reasons. He signed late also, but mm-hmm. I don't think that those – Two things are connected simply because your current Bennett signed late and he was on the field. So right. I think assuming he's back on the field and he's fine and no injuries, I think he's going to take off pretty quickly. And I've said this before. He's going to be, I think, he, of the Raiders rookie class, he's going to be their biggest contributor. That's right. Not a bad not a bad uh, position to be in for the Raiders when you look at that. So there you go. Our pick to clicks. Our picks. I get my tense right. Picks to click <laughs> <laughs> on offense for the Raiders in 2023. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, there you go, man. We agreed on all three on offense. And we didn't compare notes before the show. We just, that's the three we went in with, which uh, is really interesting, but but, but important for this team if they're going to move forward. And of course, that's if their quarterback sits upright um, uh, so that Brian Hoyer doesn't have to play. Because Brian Hoyer, remember, he... He was going to retire after last season, said he was kind of done with football and wasn't really into football, and now he's back. So I don't know about you guys. I know he knows the system, but a guy who didn't want to play football anymore just six months ago, I don't think I want leading my team at this point. It's funny. We didn't mention uh, the quarterback position in our picks to click. and We didn't. And, I, I'll, say, and I'll say this. Other than – and fans, Raider fans that have listened to us know this. I wasn't a fan of the Jimmy G signing, and it's not only because of his injury history. I just think he's a low mid-tier quarterback. I, yeah. I hate if you're a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I'm sorry, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're listening to this. Jimmy Garoppolo's family, if you're listening, to this, I'm sorry, but I, I, I just, I'm just not excited about Jimmy G. I've talked to a lot of 49ers fans, and I think we should bring in one of the writers from Sports Illustrated, Jose Sanchez, who does a great job covering the team because he's he actually goes to these practices and he's very very honest about the 49ers covering them. I, I think he'll give you some insight of what Jimmy G does in the pocket not just the negatives or not just the positives but just to give you a clear view and it just it just doesn't excite me he's not the if you're thinking jimmy g is going to go out there and sling the football over the field it's not going to happen he's more of a conservative quarterback not a lot of movement can get outside the pocket on bootlegs but he's gonna as you say he's gonna target the middle of the field he's gonna be more efficient than high value in, in the passing game so not a lot of guys are gonna have big numbers maybe the Monte Adams, maybe Michael Mayer, but other than that, I don't see big numbers, and that's why I switched from Jacoby Myers to Michael Mayer because Jimmy G is more comfortable throwing to the tight end than he is outside the numbers. And we'll get some guys to maybe gals to talk about Jimmy G's game, but I I feel like yes, the quarterback position is the most important position, so we have to mention it. But I just don't see Jimmy G having a spectacular season. He, he'll have some modest numbers, nothing to write home about. 
But his job is going to be to keep the offense steady. And Mo, I will tell you now, uh, because we've I've had a lot of our, especially on YouTube, our viewers think that we are Jimmy G lovers. Like we're we're making defense for him all the time, which I don't know what they're listening to. Really? But, but no, <laughs> I've def I've defended some of his past success, which has nothing to do with the numbers and how he plays the game because he has had some past success. But I will tell you this. If you look, I think the, the biggest issue, really, for Raider fans, listen to me, mark this down. You can, you can save this recording here and come back and tell me if I'm right. I think the biggest frustration, and you just hit on it, for Raider Nation this year watching Jimmy Garoppolo, if he's playing, is going to be, there's not a big vertical game going on. He's not going 40 yards downfield. Right. He might eh, every once in a while uncork a 30 year, especially with Adams. If Adams is wide open, yeah, you'll see touchdown passes and long passes that go over 30 yards. But as far as targeted throws over 18 yards, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like under 20 yards is where he lives. Okay. So if you're expecting that vertical game, i.e., the Cliff Branch, all those glory days, it's not going to happen. So you have to manage your expectations. Now, when they get a younger quarterback in who might have a arm, that might change a little bit. You free up the system a little bit. But he is a system quarterback to the T, and he will not be risky with the ball, which is good for the Raiders. It means less turnovers, right? But it also means dink, dunk, dink, dunk. You move down the field and then you score. Less explosive plays downfield. Correct. And I'm reading in between the lines, but if you remember what Devontae said to Murphader in that in that in that player profile, he talked about if Jimmy G has to play the position a certain way, yeah, then there could be limitations to the offense. But if he can get Jimmy G to kind of, I guess in, in my own words, I would say freestyle a little bit. I, I think those were Devontae's concern is that concerns is that he's not gonna challenge defenses down the field. But if he can get Jimmy G to kind of push the ball downfield a bit and use him as a, as a vertical threat, they'll be fine. I think that's one of his concerns about the offense going into training camp that he voiced to Maroon Vader in that, in that piece. But as I, I'm, I'm actually shocked. People think I'm a Jimmy G lover because I think I've been <laughs> every week. I've been saying no Jimmy G for the Raiders, no Jimmy G for the Raiders for multiple reasons. But I think part of that is people see that we we're not crying tears over moving off from Derek Carr. So they assume that we're Jimmy G lovers, which is not mm. the case here. I yeah. think that, yeah, it, it was time for Derek Carr and time for the raising Derek Carr to part ways and move on from each other. But I wasn't exactly doing jumping jacks and doing cartwheels over Jimmy G. Cause I, I watched a lot of 49er games, them being on national TV a lot. And he, even if he is healthy, he just does not, wow me at all no and and the fans who want in raider nation who really wanted to move on from Derek carr and they had they had their position and a lot of it was valid as you just mentioned you know to mm -hmm. go from Derek carr to jimmy garoppolo they're like eh, eh, okay oh. all right not exciting <laughs> not exciting not it's just not a, no. it's just not an exciting move now again if they go to the playoffs which i don't believe happens this year but if they were let's say they go to the playoffs this year then people will be happy with it. But if it explodes, it's bad, right? And so so we'll see. But again, the excitement there around this team, I think, is, is the development in other spots. And I think, though, to your point about Devonta Adams challenging the, the down the field, he can be that guy sometimes. I know he won't 100% be happy with it to stretch the field a little bit, which is going to open up, to your point, that's why I picked Michael Mayer. Because yep. it's going to open up that field so much. And for the slot receivers, whether it's Myers, whether it's Hunter Renfro, whoever it is, 
and the running backs too coming out of the backfield. You're going to have a lot of options there as well. And if 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 Jimmy G can stay on his feet and execute that, uh, this Raider team will will bore you to death at sometimes, but they will move the ball. And that's what the game's about. It's about moving the ball down the field and eventually scoring. We'll see how the red zone stuff goes. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> All it right, may not well, be pretty, but you hope it's effective. Exactly. And so that's sort of, I again, I, I equate it to like a baseball term, which is when you play, uh, you know, base-to-base baseball, which is you're you're moving the ball, you're hitting the ball, you're moving the runners, right? You're moving the runners. It's not a bunch of hits. It's just a bunt here or this and that. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay, we scored two runs. But man, that was not fun to watch. So I think that's what we're going to see a little bit with the, with the Raiders. Not that there won't be excitement because they have playmakers like Josh Jacobs and so on on offense, but just prepare yourself for a different type of football than you saw under Derek Carr. Well, there you go. Our picks to click on the offense. Uh, and that's going to wrap up the show for this Tuesday. We're going to be back on Thursday with our mailbag. And we're going to take a look at Moe's guys under the gun that might be in trouble if they can't pick it up on the field. So we'll review that as well. Mo, by the way, we haven't talked about food, except you did mention Jermaine Luminor's um, dislike for avocados. And I just had some for breakfast, actually, with my, my eggs, just just to, to make the, the statement. Um, what's your favorite summer food? Like, what do you think of when you think summer's coming, it gets warm outside there in New York City, and wow. it's like, man, what do you start to crave it's funny because I was just thinking about this this morning, and I <laughs> eat a lot less during summer. I, yeah. I, yes. I, I just, I kind of snack on grapes and pineapples and cantaloupe during the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a watermelon guy. Yeah, just I, I'm just going to be honest here. A lot of people assume you know I'm a black guy, so he eats watermelon. <laughs> no, I don't like watermelon. Those stereotypes. Uh, you're bringing them up I, again. I, I don't. I, I did. I tried watermelon as a kid. My not, my not grandparents fan. ate it. My my mom eats it. I I don't like watermelon at all. But I'll mm. I'll snack on some cantaloupe, grapes, pineapples, other fruits. But I I don't eat heavy during the summer. I drink a lot of shakes. I eat a lot of fruits. I drink a lot of water. I I kind of slim down in the summer. But and then I load up and I eat a lot in the fall and the winter. But all those carbs, baby. I I, I don't really crave much food in the summer. I I, I honestly don't unless it's fruits. That so, so to me, so I I eat my weight in strawberries. I, I love so when I lived in California, even though there's an off season in California too, you can kind of get strawberries all the time, right? Out west, but out here you can't get them during the winter, like winter, unless they're frozen. And it's not the same when they're frozen because you get that fresh strawberry, you cut it, and I take it and I mix it with some Greek yogurt. Oh man, it's so good. So for me, it's strawberries, and then of course. Again, when I was out west, you could do it all year round. But now, man, my smoker is, I'm using my smoker like five days a week. So I'm smoking brisket, I'm smoking ribs, I'm smoking pork shoulder. Even when we cook hamburgers now, I just don't grill them anymore. I do them on the smoker a little bit slower. Oh, mm-hmm. It's just killer. So for me, that's what summer foods is. It's meat and fruit. <laughs> and you're right, though. Yeah, I, eat a lot I, more, I, could, I eat a lot more salad during the summer, actually, because it's lighter. It, it's fun. No, but it, it, no, it's I'm, it's all good. It, it's it's funny because like a lot of people take up, you know, they smoke this and grill this, and you sent the picture of your brisket this past weekend, and it looks <laughs> great. But it's just that I don't I don't know what it is, but when it gets hot and you I sweat easily, I, I just I don't want hot food. Mm. It's just I, it just if I feel heavy, I feel slow, I feel sluggish. 
I just eat fruit and drink a lot of water. If we were talking junk food, I love gelato, not ice cream, gelato. gelato. I love gelato in the summertime. I could probably eat it every day, even though I shouldn't. But gelato, fruits, water. I keep it light during the summer. Yes. Send all your mint chip gelato <laughs> to Momoton in care of Bleacher Report. I'm just kidding you. Oh my goodness. Gelato is great, man. Especially when you like, see, you're in the city there. You find really good gelato. Anywhere there's a good Italian population, you yes. will find good gelato. The real yes. stuff. I, yes. Which is awesome. I, I go to a mom and pop shop. All Italians there. And they, yes. they when they first brought in their gelato, they had like a nice box of it. They let me sample it for free. And then I kept coming back from there. Now, I've, I've always went there for beef patties and pizza all types of pasta but when they yeah. brought in their gelato i was like you got me for life now now they're kissing mo twice. on both cheeks calling him paisan <laughs> they love mo there so he's an honorary yeah, Italian. I, I mean it's 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 just my go-to and they know me i've been going there since for two decades now so it's like a, a generational thing for me and, and them and that, and that business i love that that's awesome that's great. That's what it's all about, man. I did a I did a separate podcast for this um, this cigar lounge here in Cincinnati, and that was our subject actually. So when it's done, I'll send it to you about the the kind of decline and the troubles with family and small owned businesses today, and how it's changed with the corporatization of a lot of things. Uh, so the fact that you've gone there for two decades actually proves one of the points I make in the show, which is, hey, um, you know what? These are important, and generationally, they're very important as well. They're important for our culture for our country and all that stuff. So you can check out The Burning Question, uh, which is another show that I do. But anyway, it'll be fun. All right, Mo, we are going to reconvene on Thursday to talk more Raiders. And talk pressure before camp. So we'll get you started. Even though we're about a month away, we're going to whet your appetite for training camp coming up. That's right. Make sure you follow Mo on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Look for his pieces up on Bleacher Report and, of course, sportsnot.com, where he's a Raiders columnist. We will talk to you on Tuesday, brother. Sounds good. All right. For our producer, Mike, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbrez, and this has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Please subscribe wherever you get your audio, and make sure if you're watching us on YouTube to subscribe and hit the notifications bell there as well. For everybody here, have a great week, Raider Nation. We will talk to you on Thursday.